0: But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at VortexOptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from VortexOptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Hey, everybody. This is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast.
1: If you like the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast, we have a show for you. We sit down with local outdoorsmen of Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma to talk all things hunting, fishing, conservation, history, and culture in the Ozark Mountains region. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts to discuss the pursuits of hunting turkeys, bears, and whitetail, as well as the science behind their conservation. Join me and my co-host Kyle Plunkett every Wednesday, and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. welcome back my turkey hunting friends i'm sitting here with actually i'm not sitting here with i'm sitting here in my basement hiding from some naters while the ginger bow hunter is in the recording the mobile recording studio how you doing jacob
0: doing great as long as the tornado doesn't hit that would be a big issue explain um, explain to the audience your studio uh, my studio is a 2015 Toyota tundra uh, sr 5 uh, crew max so mm, flexible is yeah no no yeah. <laughs> no but um yeah no I, I like I like recording out here for the time being um, but not just out here in this thunderstorm so there's probably gonna be a little bit of sound effects um, it's gonna make me sound a little more outdoorsy uh, than the situation allows for right now, but true, yeah, dude. So, my question is you know, we're here during this coronavirus uh, situation, I'm getting some crazy feedback. Man, electronics technology is the greatest thing sometimes, also, it's a pain in the butt other times. Oh, but, yeah, anyway. Um, we're here during this corona pa- uh, pandemic, I can't come over just while you're in town visiting with the uh, the family because the stepfather is corona sensitive. Um, truth. So, so (laughs) (laughs) we're doing this remotely even though you're probably about four five six miles away from me but yeah
1: about as the crow flies probably about five Mm -hmm. miles yep yeah but so anyway current situation man the universe is just out to get us i mean we got a pandemic we got a bunch of naders rolling through uh it's not looking good but uh it's still turkey season so that's uh that's pretty good in my book
0: yeah, I'd say so. I mean, at least, I'll say this, at least you're getting out along with a lot of our other listeners and getting out during this time. And uh, not only getting out and go turkey hunting, but actually killing some turkeys. Uh, I know one of our listeners of the podcast and a, uh, I guess a, you say a, a buddy of the podcast as well, uh, Matt Ryan down in South Alabama. He's killing the crap out of turkeys. I think he just tagged out on his fifth pup bird this year. Uh, in Alabama. so that is awesome. I know a lot of other guys are having a great time throughout the southeast as mm-hmm. seasons start to open up and some of these seasons that's already been opening up. But again, I'm still working like a dog, um, fairly busy during these times of uh, uncertainty, as uh, some people would say. So yeah, anyway, question yeah. is what have you been doing with your available time right now? <sighs> I've
1: been turkey hunting like a fool. I mean, because of this, like I'm shut down right now. I, I ain't got anything to do with this, uh, with this pandemic going on. So, I'm, dude. I'm like, I, I'm talking. I've sold some hunting gear to pay for extra gas money because I will. I, I don't think I'll ever have this much time to hunt again for the rest of my life. Like not even when I'm retired. I'm serious. Uh, so I'm like, I'm hunting like a fool right now. Uh, I mean, as much as I possibly can. You know, as weather allows and family and all that kind of stuff. But so I'm averaging at least three days a week in the woods maybe more i mean probably most for a while there i was probably hitting five to six days a week hunting so that probably had something to do with why i killed three turkeys pretty quick (laughs) just a lot of time in the woods uh but i i've had to slow down a little bit lately but i think i'm going to pick it back up here pretty soon um but since we last talked uh i've had several pretty eventful turkey hunts uh me and you had a well oh wait we did talk about our last hunt right on the last podcast
0: hmm okay yeah 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 we had that yeah, we're, we're, no well well we need to do a recap on that because we were recording at the trailhead with uh it was you me um mark turner and then clay college showed up along with um uh tyler malone but while we're sitting there is me clay and mark talking you owl hooted actually got one a shot gobble yeah if you like listen close 2:30. on the podcast you can hear me hoot in the background <laughs> yep yeah, and that was no—that was not a joke. You actually got one to gobble and chase after him, and then what happened?
1: Well, so we sat. Me and Tyler sat there and argued about what to do for a minute, and then uh, he made fun of me because I was like, nah, "I'm just gonna let him be," and he gave me some crap. So I was like, "Okay, I gotta go after it now." So I hop in the truck and I run down the road uh, a good piece. I mean, uh, no, I mean not not too far. He w- he was right across the road from us, but I didn't want to go in straight at him. I'm looking at the topo map. And there's basically, like, one big hill over there, and there's this huge saddle right in the middle of it. And um, I thought he was in that general area, so I'm like, well, I'm just going to run up there, literally run up to that saddle, and just call, and if he comes in, he comes in. So I drive over there, hop out of the truck in my tennis shoes. I'm like, I I wasn't even going to put my boots on to go in there. Uh, That's how, like, quick this was going to be. Like, I wasn't going to, like, sit down on this turkey for, like, a long time. I was just going to see if I could get it done quick. So... Um, I go walking up towards the saddle and long story short I get up to the saddle and spook a turkey out of it I don't know if it was him but there was definitely a turkey standing there and it flew off so uh, I'd like to think it was him because it was right where we thought we heard him so that was the end of that and then I, he flew off and I literally just turned around and walked right back to the truck and came back to you guys
0: yeah that was when you came back but we didn't hear gunshot
1: <laughs> oh yeah y'all roasted me I didn't expect that I got back and y'all roasted me I was like man I tried, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How and, long uh, was I gone? I, it was not long. I mean, I no, literally just it, drove it straight over there and spooked the turkey and came straight back.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how long it was, but I mean, we wrapped up the podcast and we kind of got everything situated, and you just rolled back up fairly quickly. I was like, "Uh, did he just like was he on the edge of the road and you just spooked him when you pulled up?" And uh, seemed like you had to hike in a little bit uh, to go find him. But the other thing we need kind of recap from that episode was we were talking to Mark. And Mark had roosted a bird, well, not roosted a bird, but he had located a bird at like 10 o'clock that morning on the mountain behind us where we were recording at. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he thought he would go up there and kill it and, you know, decided to slip on in there the next day and sleep, you know, sleep at the trailhead one more night. And, uh, I mean, you probably know that hunt a little bit better than I do, but it seems like it didn't go perfect for him just because of some dogs, I believe.
1: Yeah, he had some, uh, he, he went back into that same general area the next morning. And I think he said he had two birds in there that were really, really burning up. They were doing it that morning. And uh, I can't remember exactly how it went, but he got close. And some dogs ended up running up there and, and running the turkeys off. So he just left them. And then uh, mm. that's, when, that's when he went back to Auburn.
0: Yep. Man, leaving turkeys to find the turkeys. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, no kidding. I wish I could have stayed up there, man. Which I did go back up there, actually, this week.
0: Um, yep and i mean it kind of skips ahead quite a bit but if you want to cover that seemed like a pretty interesting story took the well, uh before i do that i'll talk about mm-hmm. the other hunt because i think i
1: only had two hunts this week and that was one of them uh i'm pretty sure since that though or before that happened i had another hunt and i shot another turkey but it didn't go as planned. Um, So I guess I'll run through that story and interrupt me at any time to ask a question so I don't just ramble on here. But um, basically, me and Mark got together and uh, drove up to a piece of public we've been hitting pretty often. Um, I've actually killed one up there. The second turkey I shot, uh, I killed in this general area that we went to. So we go back up to that spot. Mark had heard some birds in there the day before. So we, we get out and we park and we're sitting there. And I think off the bat we hear one turkey that's gobbling pretty good. And he uh he's but he's like right on the the line of public and private. And just the way that it's set up, he was like at the head of this draw. It was actually like kind of a thermal hub up there, as three or four bottoms met, um, and like kind of converged into one big bottom. And he was up on one of the drainages that shot up into private. So we're like, Man, I just don't know if we can get that bird to come onto the public land because where he's probably roosted, he would either have to pitch down through a valley and land on our side of the valley, or he would have to go up and around, which in which case he'd be on private. And we're like, man, I just don't think we can kill that thing. So we start walking down the road. We're like, let's just go find another one. So we walk back down the road and we hear another another turkey gobble. And it's like it's it's pretty faint, um, but we have a good idea of where we think he is. There's like a cut over back there, and we're like. Well, he's not in the cutover because it's still early and he's roosted, so he's probably on the other side of it. So we start moving back there, following this creek, and we're getting closer and closer, and we get a really good pin of where we think he is. And then all of a sudden, I guess when he pitched down, dude, he just started going freaking nuts. I mean, this this bird was gobbling, like, at his, at the peak, he was probably gobbling four to six times a minute. I mean, just going freaking crazy. So we start easing up to this turkey, and um, it's leafed out enough that we were able to get really close. And think of it like there's two creek bottoms that kind of can join right, right in this one spot. And he's, we're kind of like a, we're kind of in the in the Y of where those two creek bottoms join. So we're on like a little hill right there, and then in front of us there's a there's a little dip, there's a creek in it, and then the hillside goes up on the other side, and that turkey's right up there on the other side. And, I mean, he's, he's definitely less than 100 yards away, but we can't see him. And he's just going absolutely crazy up there. I mean, just wearing it out. And we called to him, and he wouldn't answer us, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't budge. So we're like, well, I think we're going to have to swing around and get over there on him. And the way that he was standing on this hill, again, it, it was like kind of a classic example. It's a, it's a long ridge that comes out, and then the front of the ridge kind of drops right off into a creek. It's, it's a nice point right there. But one side of the ridge, like where it comes to a point, one side is pretty steep, and the other side is very gentle coming down. He's on the very gentle side. So we're like, dude, if we just swing around the front of this thing and get on that steep side, we can just run right up the side of the hill and pop over the top and he'll either be right there or he should be really easy to call in. So that's what we do. And uh, this, like, the point of this ridge kind of basically points at a cutover. And we go running through that cutover, and as we're going through the cutover, he quits goblin. So we're like, crap, he, he must have, like, seen us through the trees. Like, there's probably a gap in here somewhere, and he just caught a glimpse of us trying to get through this cutover. And, you know, we're sitting there talking about it, and we're like, well, if he saw us, he saw us from probably 100 to, or 150 to 200 yards. And if he did see us, he only saw a glimpse, and we were like, well, maybe it was just enough to get him to shut up. And he didn't really spook hard because I don't picture, I mean, I doubt that from that distance, you know, just seeing us walking away from him too, we were actually, if he saw us, he saw us walking away from him, uh, we're like, man, if he saw us, I don't think that he like ran off or pitched off. I bet he just shut up and he's just like standing down there strutting or something. So we decided to go ahead and go back up uh, and get, go ahead and go through the original plan and get up on top of that hill and just like cold call for him and see if, we can get them to come in so that's what we do um we sneak up there we get on top of the hill and it looks just like no wonder there's a dang turkey here it's just like primo just beautiful turkey woods like hardwood ridge like nice and open it's got green stuff growing all over the place it's just like ideal for calling up a turkey and the military crest on this hill is is just perfect where we're basically sitting on one side of the ridge and the other side of the ridge is about 30 yards away where he'd pop up. I mean, it's just perfect. So, uh, we get up there and we start calling, don't get a response. And, uh, probably 20 minutes or so passes of us just being silent. And then he gobbles like right where we left him. He gobbled right there again. So I was, you know, we were talking about it. We're like, I guess he never left. He's just standing down there strutting or maybe, maybe a hen came to him. And that's why I shut up. But he never left that one spot. So So, how
0: close was he or how far away was he when he gobbled uh, after that 20 minutes of silence? He was,
1: man, after we walked down there, he was like maybe, he was somewhere between about 80 and 120. It was hard to tell because he was over the side of the hill. But basically, if we had walked up, if we had stood up and walked like, 20 yards and looked off the other side of the hill we would have seen him i mean he was like right down there maybe could have shot him depending on where he was standing um it would have been a little poke but i mean doable but um anyways we call to him and he doesn't answer and so then we're like well he's just right there let's just sit here and see what happens and maybe 30 minutes later he gobbles again and i mean we end up sitting up here for at least an hour and he gobbles two times on his own and won't respond to anything So, at this point, we're, like, trying to think about what to do. And I only had till like, 930. So, in my mind, I was like, well, I guess let's just stick up here and just see if he comes up, unless another turkey fires off. Um, And I think Mark was thinking the same thing, just kind of hang out in that area. Um, And while we're sitting there, I think Mark maybe called again. And then this hen behind us, on the other side, opposite from where the gobbler is, just starts, I mean, going crazy. And so Mark turns to her, and he's... He calls back to her, and she's cutting and yelping really loud and everything, and he starts doing it right back to her, and she starts coming in. And so at this point, like, it's been a long time since that other turkey, like, last gobbled. I mean, it's probably been minimum 30 minutes, um, and he just hasn't been responsive. So, I mean, we know that he's probably down there, but in the back of our minds, we're like, well, I mean, this hen is being super aggressive. She's coming right to us, so maybe she's got a gobbler with her. So we start, I mean, we, Mark just lays into her. He's cutting at her and he's giving her everything she's given him. Getting super aggressive. She's coming closer. So I decide to spin around on the tree and face that hen, uh, because, you know, maybe she's got a gobbler with her and she's going to come walking up there. Cause I mean, there's a lot of scratch up there. So we thought maybe they're coming up here to feed. So I face this hen, and she's coming and she's coming and she's coming and she's getting closer and she's getting about to the point where, um, where we should be able to see her and uh, the way that we're sitting on this ridge there's like a little saddle and we're kind of like sitting like looking down into the saddle a little bit like the saddle is to my right now that i'm facing the hen when i was facing the other way it was to my left um and i'm a right-handed shooter so that that's that plays into this so i turn around on this tree and i'm facing the hen and she's getting closer and closer and at, at some point I just go, I just glance over my right shoulder just to like check back there because I know that other bird is still probably back there somewhere and I mean we've been cutting and yelping for probably five minutes straight just going like I said going crazy and I just glance and look over back there and I see like a little bit of movement right in the bottom of that saddle I was like oh god <laughs> and uh, I see this white head coming up right in the bottom of that saddle I see a fan coming up behind it too just like white head. I was like, oh, no, he's right there. And Mark is sitting here, and he's still calling to this hen. Because, I mean, probably 15 seconds before he popped up, Mark leans over. He's like, do you want me to keep calling at her? I was like, yeah, well, lay into her. I mean, as long as she's calling, let's call back at her. So he's he's calling, and not 15 seconds later, I look over, and I see this, this gobbler coming up. Big old freaking swinging beard and everything. And as soon as I see him, I go, don't move, to Mark. Because he's, he's, like, getting ready to keep calling at this turkey, and he didn't hear me. And as soon – I mean, this turkey's coming right up through the crotch of that hill, and he just – he starts cutting and everything. And that freaking – dude, that guy instantly picked us off. Um, I don't think he saw mark. I actually think he saw me because from his angle, you know, it was very easy for him to, like, pick me out, I think. But, I mean, calling right there didn't help because, I mean, he was in plain view at 30 yards, and uh, he didn't see a turkey there, obviously. So – He probably locked onto me pretty quick. So he pops strut, he lifts his head up, and uh, he turns to, like, start running off, and he gets behind a tree, and I freaking swing on him. And as soon as I swing on him, when he was behind the tree, he jumps to, like, pitch off the side of that hill. He was standing right there on the military crest. And he barely gets up off the ground, and I freaking folded him up. Like, I, I shot him just as he pitched off, and I just see this turkey fold up and hit the ground or start going towards the ground. As soon as I shoot... I push off the tree and I go running over there as like hard as I can, like like old football drills, you know, like when you're like running as hard as you can on like a 40 yard dash or something. I mean, dude, I go, I'm digging. I'm like running, and my foot catches something, and I mean, I fall hard straight on my chest. I mean, I hit the ground and basically made a dirt angel where I like hit the ground and slid, because you know it's up there, it's all hardwood leaves and pine straw, and there was like an indentation. It looked like a it looked like an angel where I'd pushed everything down to dirt, where I hit the ground so hard. So I freaking eat it, and uh, as soon as I, like, hit the ground, I, like, get up as fast as I can and scramble over there, and I get over the top of the, the hill and look down, and there's a pile of feathers and no turkey. I have no idea where he went, but I thought he was dead. I mean, I, I mean, you know, when you, I was telling you earlier, you know when you get a good hit on a dove, and they just kind of do that fold-up thing, and they're just flying through the air dead? I mean, that's exactly what this turkey did. And I get over there, and he's just gone. So I, I guess he hit the ground and ran off,
0: but I thought I had him. So that was uh, yeah. that was heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I can I can understand that for sure. I mean, especially, uh, I, you know, I've been dove hunting a time or two, and, yeah, you fold one up, and I'll tell you the crazy thing, is just kind of going back to dove hunting. You fold one up, and you try to go over there and find that bird, and you can't, whether mm-hmm. they just, you know, that they run off or whatever. But, yeah, that's uh, crazy. You know, you were able to shoot that turkey, and uh, he, he folds up, hits the ground, uh, as you hit the ground it seems like and we uh, probably hit the ground at the same moment <laughs> yeah probably about the same kind of uh, uh momentum as well oh yeah so but yeah. uh was, and it it was sucks. yeah and it was crazy
1: because we got over there and you know the turkey's not standing there so we start we start looking around for it um like kind of looking at where he might have hit the ground and then that hen gets up to the saddle and she's standing up there cutting still after all this happened and she's sitting she's standing probably right next to my gun which was still laying on the ground up there um and uh we never actually saw her we just kind of let her do her thing and move off but who knows maybe she did have a gobbler with her i don't know but i mean (laughs) um we we look around we find the pile of feathers where he hit the and you could tell he hit the ground right there you know the leaves are all messed up and there's like a pile of feathers where it it looks like he hit the ground and actually rolled because there's like a trail of feathers going forward and then just nothing and then, you know, we, we basically start doing circles almost like when you lose a, a blood trail on a deer because like a dove, you know, we, we both dove hunt a lot. Um, you know, it's like sometimes you'll you'll hit a dove and it won't be dead and it'll go like tuck itself up in something. You know, you, you, know, you find mm-hmm. them like that. Yeah. So I'm like, well, maybe this turkey just, you know, tucked himself up over here because there's brush piles. So we're walking around checking all these brush piles. And then the only other thing we found is about 30 yards from the impact site, where he hit the ground, we found a, a feather hung on a little, like a little bush, uh, like at like halfway up our calf level. So that tells me that he probably hit the ground and actually ran, which would explain a lot. Because if I feel like if he flew, we would have definitely seen him. Because there's no way he could have flown out of sight before we got over there. Um, so yeah i was i was sick about it i mean i get upset when i miss deer than when i like wound deer but for some reason like a turkey really upset me but uh that's hunting uh, it was a it was a, a lesson for me about shooting at a it was like swinging on a turkey which i will say mike pentecost in our episode we did with him <laughs> he uh, he actually told us not do that so uh i should have taken mike's advice you know looking back i really do wish that i just let the turkey do its thing and you know if he ran off he ran off whatever uh
0: yeah yeah well well, it's like you know what mike was talking about in his episode is you know you know the bird you know he calls like you know the bird won that situation you know if i've got a move on him you know you know he's very much about you know trying to get like a perfect shot on his birds and you know he'll just come back and kill that bird at another time but Dude, I think you got all hyped up, especially after hearing Mark still. We're in the podcast last week's episode. Oh, uh, oh yeah, definitely. Him <laughs> swing, swinging on that bird at you know 20, 25 yards and dropping like a sack of potatoes. So, <clears throat> yeah, you know that's just something I think. You know, this learning lesson. You know, don't get so fired up and again, don't over, don't think uh, too highly of yourself as in your your confidence and your equipment. Again, you are just shooting you know pellets at a at a at an animal uh no matter if it's tss or lead or whatever so you know you still got to hit them in the right spot to kill them and uh yeah dude i mean it's, they're not just like a dove <laughs> they're not like a you know i don't know how much a dove weighs maybe a, an ounce a couple ounces or two um but you know it definitely you got to hit them in the right spot to kill them man and that, that's yeah. tough so you know crippling birds birds is, is tough but uh, you know I, i'm the i in no way of being able to say anything about this cuz i've i've done it a, a few times um so but you know kind of is what it is hopefully take a learning lesson from it and um oh, you know kind of kind of hone your skills a little bit more when it comes to the shooting aspect to be honest i think more and more guys I ought to go out there, and uh, myself included. Again, I'm, I'm saying this from you know the inexperience and uh, kind of like the, the, the loss of self confidence, is being able to hit, you know, be able to either practice swinging on a bird or just practice, you know, your um, you know, your shooting skills when it comes to some of that stuff, and just even not necessarily swinging on a bird, but just getting the gun over. You know, if that bird, you know, if a gobbler pops up on your right, you know, just you know, twenty degrees off of where you're aiming, and you need to move over that twenty degrees with your barrel to be able to hit them. You know, be able to practice doing that shot over and over and over again to have more confidence in that. Um, kind of like a wing shooter, man. So, you know. Yeah. Get, get the gun over quick, squeeze off, there you go. Yeah,
1: yeah. very true. Very true, because I was not very graceful. Because that, that's one thing I was worried about, because he came up. And I'll say this, too. Had I not turned around uh, to face that hen, he would have been toast. Because I figured that if he was going to come up, he'd come up through that saddle. So I was already – when I was set up and we were calling to that bird – I was actually sitting there aiming right at where he came up. I mean, I, you know, obviously something can always happen, but, I mean, I would have killed him if he came up right there, barring I didn't just whiff it and miss. I mean, he'd have been in trouble. Because even if he came up and he caught us as quick as he did, I mean, I would have already been on him, you know, the whole time, basically. Um, I wouldn't have had to move my barrel at all. Uh, Yep. But, dude, the situation, it it happened so fast. I mean, it was like from the – time i saw him to the time i shot was maybe three seconds i mean four seconds Mm -hmm. tops maybe um mark i mean mark never heard me say don't move or anything uh mark just heard me i was like what (laughs) like when did you know that something was going down and he's like i heard that i heard like you slide and like shift really quick and thought oh that can't be good (laughs) and then he heard the shot so uh learning experience that that's that's for dang sure i'll definitely uh, second second guess it any time i try to do that in the future um yeah yeah i mean pentecost was right man when we talked to him about that he was exact he's like man the swing shots that's that's a bad deal for you and the turkey i mean it's just a low odd shot in that kind of situation you know if you, if you have a calm bird it might be different uh if he was calm i feel pretty confident that i maybe could have got him But the problem is, is by the time I started swinging, he was already turned around, like, starting to run. Uh, So I'm, like, trying to play catch with him, and I had to swing way around. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was just a a bad deal.
0: Yep, there's no winners in that situation. I'll Um, say this,
1: though. My goodness, the area that he was hung up at, you know, where he just stayed down there and gobbled the whole time, we went down and checked that out. I need to show you the picture of the scratch, dude. It is unlike scratch I've seen in a long time. I mean, like, fresh, just like a like a 50-yard circle, just completely, completely overturned. I mean, it almost mm-hmm. looks like hog sign. It's crazy. Um, it'd and be, Mark it'd be has, worth. Do what?
0: I would say it would be worth going back in there, even though, you know, you, you possibly could have crippled and, you know, that turkey may or may not survive, depending on the situation with that. But, you know, kind of like what... Um, michael uh chamberlain was talking about in the meteor episode you know you know a lot of times gobblers are rotating where they're where they're roosting at so most likely there's going to be another bird that moves in there you know within a day or two so it might be an awesome spot to get set up super 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 early in the morning
1: yeah Uh, one more thing about that um the feathers that we found from this bird made it very obvious that i hit him back um yeah yeah i got those feathers I, I, yeah you saw it too mm-hmm. then didn't you
0: yeah i saw that i was like that was that's a that's those uh i don't know what you call it it's like the the feathers before the the primaries on the tail like the kind of that helps full yeah. you know make the fan look full and i was like oh that's not great yeah i mean we
1: weren't getting tail fans but it's like you know you have your tail fan and then you have like the little secondary feathers and then you have the feathers below that those are the feathers that i got off of him you know, they're like real fluffy on the bottom, like they're kind of, that insulate them. So it was very clear that I probably hit that bird, you know, all the way in the back. Um, definitely didn't catch his head obviously, but considering that he was able to hit the ground and obviously run off and, you know, we followed the, the kind of trail that he ran down and we, we searched that area like definitely to my satisfaction um and we just never found him so i'm thinking hopefully he survived i mean you never know he might have died the next day which I, I certainly hope not but i would love nothing more than to go in there and smoke a turkey this week and cut him open and find some number nines in him or actually number seven so shoot number sevens uh so I, i'd love to close the book on that turkey i hope i, I hope i didn't mortally wound him and then didn't find him because that, that would just be terrible but uh but mark actually did go back in there um Actually, I think yesterday, and uh, I know he heard turkeys. I think he said he heard three right there, which I could totally see happening. Um, but, yeah, he said I think he, he heard several actually in that exact same spot. So definitely still turkeys in there.
0: Well, see, that's exciting. Again, I mean, it's kind of like our, our buddy uh, Kyle Sides. You know, he, last year, me and him, I hunted with him one time, and we're going after this turkey that he's actually, he believes he was able to kill it this year. this is one of his first or second birds he killed this year on uh, part of the National Forest, and he – one thing he talked about was, you know, using last year as a big screw-up, just trying to learn the area. You know, he messed up on a bunch of birds, but he learned where the birds were at and then went in there this year, kind of new places they were already, you know, very accustomed to, you know, visiting, and where gobblers like to roost came into this, this coming year and absolutely cleaned up in, like, the first eight days or ten days of the season and tagged out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that's a t- that great the back of your mind,
1: tip. That's a great tip, like finding – you know use this year's uh scouting for next year and we talked about this last week like uh how it seems like there's areas that these birds just really want to be in you know
0: Mm-hmm. And that yep. can be useful 100%. for
1: future years i mean that spot where i wounded that one is totally like that uh, this week i promise you i'm going to go in there and if i can find a day where i can wake up early enough to get in there before uh before they wake up i'll totally crawl up on that ridge and, and be waiting for them um and if I, if I can get in there clean, I'll be surprised if I don't have an opportunity at one. I mean, I don't know if I'll get it, but if I do everything right and I can get in there then and not get busted, then I, I think that I should definitely have an opportunity at a turkey in there. But awesome. we'll see. We'll definitely see about that.
0: Well, yeah, nothing new has really changed with me as in uh, hunting and, and killing opportunities and stuff like that. So it is what it is. But um, I know you texted me something today that kind of got my... My interest, uh, which, which was a text message with you, me, and Colton, uh, oh, Colton yeah. George, uh, one of our buddies, one of your lifelong buddies, and uh, about doing a western trip. Yes. So, kind of like, wh- yes. what, yeah, well, hold on,
1: before we, before we talk about that, I'm just gonna mm-hmm. give an update real quick. Um, we'll, we'll not dive into this, but just so you know, because I haven't told you this yet, that area that me and you hunted last weekend with all the turkeys in it, so I brought Tiffany in there. Um, she came in there and hunted it with me. She walked the you know, X number of miles back in there. I don't want to say too much because people figured out. But walked way back in there with me. Uh, got set up in that spot where we bumped the turkey. And uh, we heard one bird right down in the bottom where we had crossed that, that really steep hill. And that one gobbled back across from where we came from. There was one right there. There was at least two, possibly three, down the road where the gobbler came from that we ended up seeing, uh, right down that road, I think it was three roosted together, uh, and we actually made a move on them and weren't able to kill them. Uh, Actually, I think someone else might have killed one of them. Um,
0: Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, but
1: he was on a different ridge. I think that those birds might have flew off our ridge and went to a different one. But anyways, uh, you remember that one way down by the creek, there was that one turkey that was just burning it up when we were there? Oh, yeah. He Mm -hmm. He did it again when me and Tiffany were there. Same exact thing, dude. I mean, gobble. He's like, pow, pow, pow. I mean, just like multiple times a minute, just going crazy down there. Same exact thing as last time. So Tyler went in there today and went and got on that bird and almost killed it. It did the same thing today. I mean, dude, it's like every day that bird's just like going freaking crazy. So that's three times that me or you or Tyler has hunted that and the bird's done the exact same thing. So if Tyler doesn't kill it this week, I'm going to give him crap for it.
0: Yeah, wasn't that. Um wasn't Dave Owens talking to us about a bird that he killed in Kentucky that was, like, way down deep in, like, this uh, kind of canyon? Yes. That that would constantly gobble, and nobody, you know, he didn't think it was pressured because nobody, he didn't think, had the balls to climb down there to go get it. Very similar I to that this situation. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that bird is, I mean, in a similar situation because, I mean, he is in a hell hole, uh, mm-hmm. absolutely a hell hole. And... Um, you know, he's in a spot that he can easily, if he needs to get across the property line uh, for safety, he can do that quite easily if he wants to. Yep. Um, and it's hard to, I figure, just because the way the ridge line, you know, lays out right there, it would be hard to slip down the property line and try to get in on him unless you were doing it super, 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 super early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, pretty much slept underneath him, you know, a couple hours before daylight. Um, but, yeah, he's in a hell hole. But, dude, that would be killer if Tyler could get down in there and... and you know attempt to kill that bird um need to go kill that freaking one that that we messed up on uh, last weekend up there (sighs) yeah we did on on his old little knob that he was very inclined to staying on Uh, until we got up there i forgot to tell
1: you me and tiffany so we went after those three turkeys that were gobbling together Mm -hmm. we walked back up the road and uh and we walked back up to that knob and busted two turkeys off of it i'm pretty sure they're both hens uh, but I, I'm not totally sure. I know one of them was a hen. I don't know about the other one. Tiffany thinks they were both hens. But, uh, on yeah. that knob. Yeah, right there on that knot. I mean, exactly. The, they were standing next to the tree that you and me sat up against when we, when oh, we saw that one. Oh, man. Standing right there. Me and Tiffany were sitting, you know that big white oak up there? Me and Tiffany yep. were sitting up against that white oak listening, and we got up to go after those three goblin turkeys. Because they were doing it. I mean, they were, they were gobbling great. And I would hoot, and they would gobble, and I would hoot, and they would gobble. And we got close. And uh, I think that they just pitched down to the other side of the ridge and heard of maybe someone else calling or maybe a hen and just and got out of there. But, but yeah, we walked back up there, and there's three or two standing right there. And uh, Tiffany got to see me throw down my hat and say a bad word. <laughs> I was, I was oh. like, my first thing was like, there he is, idiot. But uh, hopefully, I don't, I don't actually think it was a, a gobbler, but uh, I don't know for sure.
0: Um that's such a tough spot like especially for a single guy to hunt there dude oh yeah that knob is small enough where like you can't really put your back to like one of those draws because they could come up behind you Mm -hmm. very easily and i mean dude literally it's like it's kind of a freaky spot because you don't know how those turkeys could come in on you um yeah
1: yeah Uh, i mean we set up we after we spooked those we set up up there and one gobbled at, like, 9 o'clock right down the hill in that valley. And it was pretty mm-hmm. obvious he had some hens. He was, he was all the way down there. Right where we heard the hens last time, that's where he gobbled from. Mm. Uh, he gobbled twice at some owls and would not touch anything I threw at him. But, uh, yeah, it was very uneventful in that sense. But I was telling Tiff when we were sitting there, I was like, this spot is great because clearly they want to be up here, but it sucks for hunting. I mean, you can't set up – Because if you get off the side of the hill a little bit and set up down there, then you're looking back uphill, and it's real steep, and they can pop out right there on top of you. But you can't really shoot down the ridge because there's so many little sweet gums and everything. There's no way you could shoot through it, no matter what your setup is. Uh, So you really have to get directly on top, and directly on top is like 10 yards wide, and then it drops off, and you can't see off either side of it. But, man, they get up there, and they don't leave. I mean,
0: yeah. It's a place that turkeys can grow old, uh, at least, yeah. you know, in, in regards to hunting pressure, uh, because it, it makes it where I think you've got to be such a skilled woodsman to understand how to be able to use that terrain to your advantage, which, I mean, to be honest, unless a bird was burning it up, I don't know how you'd be able to, just because it's so open. Now, let me ask you, how much, what, what they, did it green up much more since it did last week when y'all were up there? Not a not
1: a ton. Not, I mean, not really.
0: Okay. You know, if that place had more, you know, ground cover and crap, I think it'd be a little bit easier to kill them. Mm-hmm. But, again, that's one of the reasons why I think those turkeys are there is just because they know they can see for a super long ways. And, um, you know, it's just unbelievable habitat. I mean, plenty of places, you know, plenty of area that they can scratch. Of course, either, you know, grab some old acorns from the from this past fall or, you know, start bugging around. Uh, And then they can, you know, drop down low if they want to or go up super high. And, I mean, roosting, I mean, bomb-proof spots, dude. I mean, holy crap. Um, I mean, those, like, knife ridges and crap are so hard to sneak up on, Yeah. whether you're coming from above or below. I mean, it's like the sound echoes in there, uh, you know, down in those draws. And then when you get up top, I mean, you're absolutely skylined. Oh, big
1: time. Dude, the, literally the only reason to, like, effectively cover that whole ridge top without getting busted or without having stuff obstructing would be to get in a tree, and that's illegal. So, really, really bad spot for the hunter. Great spot for a turkey. Um, but, yeah, I would totally I, – I hope I can get one more chance to go up there and hunt that. Just just one more chance at it because I would – honestly, I would just get up there, and I would set up against a tree, and I would just sit there until, like, 10 o'clock and like call, cold call, and do whatever, and just kind of deer hunt for them, which is not the most exciting thing, but I'm determined.
0: Yeah, it it might also be a spot, you know, there's not many places we've hunted this year where, you know, decoys were ever really needed, but to be honest, that would be a place, you know, that I feel like a decoy would help out tremendously. Yeah, um, oh yeah. And just, and draw that attention away from you, just because, I mean, you're already on a spot that, you know, you're going to have a very limited shot opportunity. I mean, it's going to be quick unless you can get them to calm down and either circle you, if they come up from your side or your back, or just, again, have them, you know, get their attention drawn onto something other than yourself to be able to make a move.
1: Oh, yeah, because um, there's only one tree up there that's wider than a man's shoulders.
0: Yeah. I mean, even
1: wider than Tiffany's shoulders. I mean, Tiffany's little, and none of those trees are wider than her. I mean, yep. so I mean, you just can't can't hide up there. It's terrible, but I mean, that's I well, guess that's
0: why they're up there. Let me ask you this: So I saw a bit Martin, who's a listener of the podcast, I also had him on the Strut Report. Um, I guess it was two weeks ago, maybe uh, for South Carolina. He was talking about he, he made a post on Facebook about some public land birds that he's been hunting, and they he, he filmed it. He, this one bird or these two birds that he was chasing all yesterday, I believe, would not budge off the spot they were gobbling from. And I, I believe, I didn't ask him a lot of details, but looking at the terrain and stuff, it looked like it probably was too open for him to make a move on the bird. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't enough terrain, like you know, elevation change or anything, uh, to be able to sneak in close to it uh so like you know he'd call he'd gobble you know he'd call at the birds they'd gobble but they weren't budging from their area they were they were uh you know kind of on their strut zone and um you know that's kind of similar to some of the stuff that we saw even though that there was definitely some some hens in that area but i'm wondering you know how would you handle a situation like that when you got birds i mean gobbling it what it seemed like pretty much everything he was throwing at them but they just weren't moving at all and he, he couldn't really make a move on them
1: That's pretty much what happened with that one I just wounded. I mean, he wasn't gobbling at me, but he like wouldn't budge from that one spot. Because I mean, even when he was gobbling really good, I mean, just at everything, he still wouldn't come to us. I mean, would not move. And so we made that move to kind of get around to a different spot. But I'll I'll have to go. Well, you know what? I didn't track it, so I'm not sure. I wish I knew how long we sat there on that bird but it was minimum an hour it might have been an hour and a half and then finally he just broke and came up there so i mean in a situation like that i guess that's that's what i do is you know it i'm to the point in the season where it's like if i know that turkey's there i'm not going to leave him unless he's got like nine hens with him or something you know yeah uh if they're just hung up and they're just sitting there gobbling and they won't move but i know that they're there but I can't get closer to him, but I, I, like, again, I just, I know that they're there. Then I would try and find the best kind of setup around them. Like, like find a spot somewhere in their bubble, you know, within hundred to 120 yards if possible, where it's like, okay, if he does break out of the spot, I could definitely see him coming here and me getting a good shot at him. And I would go to that spot and I would just wait on him. I mean, for the rest of the time that you have, I would just wait on him because there's no point in, in leaving him and trying to find a different one. At, at this point i think uh because i'm just i haven't had a whole lot of luck with striking birds midday so i know a lot of people have a lot of luck doing that i just for some reason i just haven't had luck doing it so uh i would just i would i would sit on him and just wait because at some point if he doesn't have hens he ought to break out and, and come to you at some point it might take two hours but he should do it you know
0: Yeah, you know, i think one thing that you know, you probably maybe have learned a little bit more this year and I've kind of realized just talking to a bunch of guys is a lot of times turkeys don't cover as much ground as a lot of people make them think they do. Totally. Um, man, someone's pups. Yeah. You get, can probably hear Bridger just barking for, for sure. No, but um, you know, they don't cover as much ground as, as a lot of people think, especially in like that hill country where, you know, they're in an area where whether they're, I guess they're trying to either, you know, call more hens into them or they're just trying to keep their hens around um, but, you know, as long as the hens aren't moving a whole bunch, it doesn't seem like they move a whole bunch. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if you, okay, say you can't kill him today, well, great. Well, you got to pin on him where he where he likes to be. Uh, you know, come back in the, the following day or the next day you can and try to so see if you can kill him again. See if he's in a little better mood, maybe a little more inclined to come in. Um, but uh, to me right now, it's, it's all theories for me because I haven't been out there trying to prove that point.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, Hopefully so. you can get out some more this year, but... In the meantime, to, uh, we'll do a little mini-segment here. Yeah, uh, me, you, and my buddy Colton George. Uh, Colton is one of my best friends. Grew up with him. Uh, you've heard Colton and his dad, Mr. Ben George, on the podcast. Uh, those of you who came to Brews got to meet Ben George. Uh, he's my mentor. Uh, he's, he's taught me pretty much most of the stuff I know about hunting today. Um, I always tell people, you know, my dad got me into hunting. Uh, and my dad passed away when I was 14 and Mr. Benny kept me in hunting because there's no telling what my life would have been like if he hadn't stepped in and, and, you know, taken on that role of taking me, you know, as, as often as he could and teaching me everything he knew. So I owe a lot to the Georges. They're, they've been a huge part of my life. But so Colton's one of my best buddies and we've always been just huge on wanting to do a Western trip. And uh, it just, up to this point, hadn't happened. You know, me and you did that, uh, that trip. Colton couldn't go because he was he was he put off most hunting until he got out of college, because uh, he was just trying to focus on getting his degree. Um, and now he's out of college, he's got vacation time, he's ready to roll. So we're gonna do a western trip.
0: Now it's just deciding on what we want to do, because I know that's what the group message was looking like today. Whether we want to do a deer trip, we wanted to go for deer, or we want to go for elk, which you know probably. 90 percent of the people listening right now are like elk, elk, elk. You gotta go, elk man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then trying to figure out logistics and, and where we want to go statewise, um, which is going to be important for us because most of the states right now, um, uh, you know, to my knowledge, have closed the uh, any draw hunts uh, or any um, the quota hunts for elk, where you actually have to put in for a drawing. Yeah, um, and that's so not look-
1: to, that's not due to COVID. That's due to the applications are just early as crap in the year, like February. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say. I think, I think uh, Wyoming goes out like there's ends like mid or late February for elk, which is kind of crazy. I mean, we're kind of still like just coming off deer season, and, we're uh, still and hunting
1: like, in February.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they're they're just now they're coming to the end of the deadline for elk. I'm like, oh hell, okay, hold on a second.
1: That's terrible for me because like I'm I'm like still deer hunting hard because I mean I'm still we're still. You and me both are usually still chasing the rut at that time. I mean, we're we're rut hunting right up to the end. And at that point, dude, I've been hunting since, like, freaking September. I'm, like, getting burned out and tired. And <laughs> I'm like, ah, elk. Yeah. I'll worry about it later, you know. Mhm. So I end up missing a lot of those. But uh, I don't know of anywhere that you can apply for elk still. I think that's pretty much said and done. I mean, someone might write in and say, say otherwise, but I wouldn't really – I mean, me and you have talked about this at length, um, planning these western trips, which we're going to give some, like, since we've done a western hunt, we'll give some tips on, like, planning it and everything. Uh, we're obviously not experts, but we w- but we know what we did wrong, and that's just about as useful as a lot of things. So, um, yeah, we're trying to figure out what species we want to do. It's between, basically, elk and deer, and it's between, uh, pro- if we do elk, pretty much our, I mean, our only options are really Idaho, uh, Colorado, and Utah, right?
0: Uh, For over Montana, the counter elk, well, it depends on Montana uh, whether or not all those tags have been picked up yet. Um, and you could possibly get a late seat, I mean, get a a leftover tag in Wyoming if possible, but I doubt it. Um, most of those are going to be cow cow tags. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, you're you're pretty much spot on. So you, you'd be looking at again uh Idaho, Colorado and Utah for the most part when it comes to this kind of finding some general tag over the over the counter tags. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And and then deer. We could do deer. Uh I think Montana has over the counter deer, which deer is a general term for either whitetail or mule deer because uh, I think yep. a lot of tags, or at least the, the tag that we hunted, you could kill either one on that same tag. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's specific the same in Montana.
0: Yeah, it was specific to where you're at, but um, I know Wyoming, unless they've unless changed it, the Wyoming draw for deer does not close until like mid-May, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, actually, I think it was, it's the end of May. Yeah, because it was like right after your birthday, and then we got the drawings back in like June like June 14th, 13th or 14th, we got the drawings back. Um, yeah. But uh, again, I'd be down for either one. You kind of got to think about it when you're thinking about doing one of those hunts. You know, do you want something that you have? Like, really, comes down to your the experience you want, and then also the odds you want, as then to actually kill something. Yes. Um, you know, because you're looking at elk. You know, you could do in Colorado, you could do a general season uh, rifle or archery, and I guess you could do muzzleloader as well. I don't know the. I get. I'm, I'm sure there's some open units for muzzleloader uh, for general over the counter tags, and then oh, uh, uh, Idaho i think it's the same i want to say it's rifle and then archery uh in some in certain units over the counter and then in utah you know that a little bit better because i think you've talked to mariah about that yeah um on, Freaking, on the availability yeah
1: dude they got an over-the-counter rifle hunt i'm like hesitant to say it on here but dude they got they got i okay everyone knows about hunt the land podcast Mark Turner is a great friend of this podcast. He's one of my best buddies. You've heard him like a bunch this turkey season, and a little bit in deer season too. Uh, his co-host Mariah uh, actually did a, a Utah elk hunt last year, and I I, I almost went with him. Uh, Mariah was kind enough to invite me. I almost went, uh, but the way that they they scheduled it, like the amount of days they allotted. Uh, I can't remember exactly. For some reason, it did not work. I was like, there's no way I can take that many days to go do this. Um, So I ended up having to forego that trip, unfortunately, because Mariah went out there and freaking killed a, like, 300-something-inch bull. I mean, he killed, like, a... a I don't know. Probably once it was in a, a lifetime it, bull. I mean, for a lot it, of it people. Was a
0: huge, it was a huge bull. I actually went to Mark's Outdoors over here in Birmingham and uh, showed Robbie, one of the Botex, the photo, because he's been elk hunting a few times and has some buddies. I was like, yeah, dude, uh, one one of the buddies that Andrew knows, Mariah, he killed this. He's like, holy crap. I'm like, yeah, that was on a general, a general unit, just like over the counter. Well, not just like, that.
1: Holy. He killed that, and he killed a cow. He had a tag for both, and he shot them back to back.
0: In the same day, same <laughs> Nine afternoon, Nine
1: right? miles back oh my god i can't imagine that like you know you do it and you're all pumped and then it had to be i haven't talked to mariah about it but he had to shoot those things and when he had them on the ground he's probably like oh gosh what am i about to do with all this (laughs) getting that out was a nightmare i guarantee it Uh, i actually think he hired a packing crew which was a good good choice on his part but it uh, is pricey pricey for sure um but, but yeah, it. I mean, that was a general hunt. I was shocked at how, one, how cheap it was, but also like the freedom you had with that tag, which I'm kind of spilling the beans here a little bit, but I mean, you know, y'all are welcome, I guess, if you're interested in the elk hunting and you didn't know about it. But I mean, dude, it's a, I was, I was very surprised at, at what was available there. Cause I had no idea, like Utah, for whatever reason, Utah just didn't, it, it just never showed up on my radar until a Mariah invited me out there. Um so that's an option but you know it's a general rifle hunt you know anybody can go out there and buy a tag uh and it gets hammered i mean super pressured and everything i've ever heard about that hunt you know since hearing about it is that it's extremely difficult tons of pressure and you know you hear that kind of stuff and it's probably very true but also my just went out there and killed a you know a trophy class bull and a cow and and brought it back uh so you got to take that in consideration too. You know, just because people say that oh, it's terrible, especially I I'll, I'll tell you this and you know because we this blew our minds. The way that western people talk about their game is different than how we talk about our game, is it not?
0: Uh yes. 110%.
1: It, do, do you want to explain our mule deer unit and how how it was different?
0: Um
1: people were trash talking it saying like oh there's no big big deer there oh there's no there's hardly any
0: deer i don't know if they were really trash talking it i don't think it was that because it was a unit that normally is kind of tougher to draw but one reason why we didn't think it was that tough was just because of the well the the bad winter of the year before in 2016 but also uh, because it's one of the only units uh, that has grizzly bears in it um and a lot of non-residents don't want to deal with that. And I don't blame them after the, after the fact of going no, through all that.
1: that was nerve wracking.
0: Um, but you know, there was a lot of animals, but what, what, what the crazy thing is, you know, they're talking about how low the deer numbers were because of how bad the winter was. Like the winter had, I don't know what the percentage kill off was, but I think it was over 50% kill off. Um, and it killed a lot of the older age class deer as well, uh, especially any ones that got ran down really bad from the, from the rut that, that November. So, a lot of people just didn't put in uh, for that unit, it was normally a unit it took uh, for a general rifle tag, I want to say it took like normally 2 or 3 or 4 points a draw and we drew with 0 points. Um, and, and since went, then, my cousin has drawn two years in a row with zero points. Dude, to be honest, he's got me. Dude, listen, he's got me want to go back again. There. Oh, so bad, so bad, <laughs> just, so bad. Just so bad. sit in that honey hole again where he's tagged out yes. two years in a row. Yes. Um. uh Anyways, but uh, same spot that, that is we killed. Cool. Same spot. Yeah. Like the ultimate funnel, like literally, guys. And you know, people talk about like white tail funnels. You ain't never seen a funnel like this ever in your entire life. <laughs> it's like, all right, here's a conveyor belt. Here comes the deer. You pick which one you want. Oh my and... god, that's
1: exactly what, dude. So the people out there were like, oh, deer numbers are way down. We're just not seeing any deer. Like, oh, and the, and the way they talked about it, they're talking about mule deer, given. But still, they're like, yeah, I mean, I hardly ever see anything over 140. I'm like, dude like i don't care give me 140 like i'm from alabama son we ain't got that here (laughs) we do but it's very it's a lot more rare than it is out there especially mule deer because mule deer are just bigger uh and i mean dude after all the doom and gloom we heard about the bad winter and low numbers we we saw hundreds of deer did we not
0: hundreds in one day we saw over a couple hundred deer now that then again i was going through the city limits um yeah but but yes yeah dude we saw a unbelievable amount of deer and moose and bighorn sheep and what else we see antelope like freaking oh my god the antelope's ridiculous i mean on um, that
1: that one day i think it i think it was the day that we killed actually we we hunted from daylight to dark that never came out of the woods and we killed right at dark both of us did uh that specific day We saw upwards of 40 deer, more than 40. I can't remember the exact number, but we saw like 20-some-odd bucks that day on public land where we could kill them. I mean, it was just it was ridiculous. So, you know, if you're looking into a Western trip and you see people like kind of preaching about it, you know, about how it might be bad, just just take it with a grain of salt. I mean, obviously there's probably going to be some situations out there where what they're saying is really bad, but, I mean, in our case – You know, their baseline for, like, a good year and our baseline were very different because we had low standards, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, But, anyways, it was a cool experience. But, like, again, like your cousin going back to that same spot where we killed our deer. And and literally two years in a row, killing two bucks. And one of the bucks he killed was a freaking, like, a damn good deer. Um, um, I don't know if that was the one from this past year or the one from 2018. um, But he killed one dude that was a freaking... Like a a great buck um but it's just so freaking cool dude i mean that and then like the terrain you're hunting in and all that kind of stuff this is a cool experience um and really will make you understand why people out there are very much inclined to like the long range hunting the long range shooting for rifles yeah because there's a there's a lot of situations first of all those deer can see forever they can see so far dude the pick up on movement so far but like you understand you understand the advantage of being able to shoot you know five six seven eight nine hundred yards uh, you know if you're capable of shooting that of course you know with practice and everything and understanding the conditions and under just understanding everything about your gun um but it absolutely makes you can make you so much more successful if you could do that but oh, you know we're yeah. shooting guns we're like all right we gotta get like inside like 250 yards 300 yards uh, yeah which is like you know on a white tail that's a long poke uh, in some situations, but uh, that was, like, not that far at all out there. Yeah. So, Dude, it was so cool out there. You remember,
1: we, me, me and you were struggling. We couldn't get on them. Well, we were on them, but they were not where we could kill them. And then we got back to the trailhead, and we're sitting there, and this, I mean, just freaking Wyoming cowboy comes riding out of the hills with his wife on a horse. Got his dang rifle and a scabbard on the horse, and gets down there. He's got, like, a 170-inch deer that he's packing out on his horse. And we're like, how did you... How, And he gave us some tips, and
0: we went back in there, and we killed the next day. (laughs) Exactly. He's like, like, man, just sit on them. Sit on this funnel. Sit on this trail. They're coming down it. And, dude, you sat there, and it was like a conveyor belt of deer. Every couple hours or so, here comes eight or nine. All right, we got to get in front of them. Let's go. Dude, it was a blast. That was so much fun.
1: You killed a stud. I mean, a real stud buck.
0: Yeah, I got him. He's not hung up right now just because... Uh, everything, but yeah, he's he's in my room at the moment. But yeah, he, great, good freaking uh, deer.
1: Great. Yeah, he was right. It's the the biggest tip, he's like, Oh, yeah, they use the horse trails. We're like, What? They use the horse trail. And dude, we went sat on a freaking horse trail. And I mean, like you said, it's like a conveyor
0: belt of deer. You look up, and here comes like a big buck walking down the dang. <laughs> walking down <laughs> yeah, the trail. D- d- dude, the one that we chased after was like that because <sighs> he came down. And you're like, Hold on, hold I'm on. I'm like, 100% oh, positive my. you killed that deer you think so i'm 100 percent
1: positive because i got such a good look at him which if people didn't hear the episode we did about this two years ago way back it was like episode 43 or something yeah yeah there was was there's we're watching this horse trail and of course there's people coming up the horse trail because a lot of guys on horseback out there and i got my binos on the tripod and i'm looking and here comes what looks like santa claus up the trail on a horse i mean this guy's he's a plump feller i'm not gonna lie he gets up there. Wearing some red. Yeah, he's, he's wearing some red, like a red flannel or something. He's got a big old white beard, and so we just started calling him Santa Claus. So Santa Claus, you know, c- pops over the hill coming out of this valley, and he, he rides off the trail about 30 yards, hops off his horse, and he's glassing across the canyon. I've got Santa Claus in my binos as I'm sitting there on my tripod and I'm looking at him. I'm just watching what he's doing. I'm like, look at this guy. I'm like, dang it, he's sitting right here at the trail. There's not going to be any deer coming up it for a while. And it's getting close to prime. I mean, it's prime time probably right then. We're getting, we're nearing dark. And I'm watching him and way across the valley, I can see him glassing. And over his shoulder on the other side of the valley, way on the other side, I see some bucks walking over there. So I'm like, oh, he's getting ready to go after those bucks. And uh, he's looking at them and he turns around and he starts getting his rifle out of his little scabbard on his horse. (laughs) <laughs> and as I'm watching this guy, again, he's about 20 yards off the horse trail. I'm sitting here binos on the tripod. And then this just big, huge buck walks into the frame like 20 yards behind him, walking straight down the horse trail like a huge buck. And <laughs> I'm just losing. I'm like, Jacob, Jacob, look at that buck. There's a huge buck, huge buck. <laughs> I don't even know what I said, but I was probably like incoherent. Oh, man. That was a uh – uh, you, do you want to tell the other part of that?
0: Yeah, so and again, I wasn't looking at any of this because we're sitting like right on the edge of like timber, so like everything next to us is all like sage grass, like everything's like you know n- you know thigh high stuff of just like sage grass and just you know clump grass and everything. And this guy, old Santa Claus is is you know I'm gonna say he parked his horse right <laughs> on the edge of the timber line. I mean he's like glassing across this big canyon, this big creek onto the other side, and this buck yeah like pops out. And I didn't see the buck dude until like. And I think he was probably about 400, like 300, probably 350 yards from us. And, um, you know, I, I didn't see him through my binos until like I moved out from behind the tree you were sitting on and I could just see a buck walking. I was, I was just see a buck in a rack. I can't tell how big he was, but he's like walking. And the guy is like looking the opposite direction. And I'm like, how does he not see that deer? And the wind is in our face at the moment. But I'm like, he's about to get downwind of old Santa Claus, like a hundred percent about to get downwind of him. And, uh, you know, it, you know, some time goes by, the deer keeps walking. And I'm like, he's not, he, I'm like, the guy's never going to see him. And I'm like, I was think we were thinking, I was like, can we kill the deer? And I don't know if I was the one like, Hey, let's get your gun. Let's start running down there. And I don't know if you said no, if I said no, like, wait a second. But we did. And all of a sudden, the guy starts walking back to his horse to, like, do something, like, with his, uh, you know, with his, like, saddlebags. And he, like, looks up, and the freaking deer's right there. And he does, like, the funniest stance. And to be honest, I kind (laughs) of forgot all about this until you brought it up. But he he literally, like, he's got his gun in his hand, and he, like, he's, like, messing with his horse. He turns to his left, sees the deer, and he, like, he, like, it looks like he, like like jump for a hot second and then like squatted down that, like it the deer like a didn't a already squat. see him he was He it was, was like, like a half squat that, he looked like the hunchback of notre dame or whatever yeah, it, it, yeah he just like squatted and he's like and he starts like waddling towards his buck with his 30 30 and oh, dude, uh, I, was flipp- I was like he's gonna shoot it he's gonna shoot it he's gonna shoot it <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah so the deer finally gets down with him and starts like kind of trotting and the guy like runs back up to the trail gets his gun like throws the gun up and I'm like okay he's about to shoot he's about to shoot by this time I've got my binos up looking at him and uh he never shoots and the deer kind of like trots on down the trail and then he starts like running down the trail this big hefty dude and I'm like Andrew I'm like Andrew we gotta cut him off we gotta run down this hill and dude it was a hell of a run and it's like you know we like I, you grabbed your gun I just grabbed my binos because you were gonna shoot and uh I grabbed my binos I had my rangefinder in my pocket and dude, we just I mean, tear down the side of this freaking hill. Oh, dude, And there was like Full a whole outrun. And like the deer and that guy was on a bench, like, way below us. And we took off like at an angle trying to get ahead of him, uh, to try to catch, you know, get in front of the deer or get close enough to the deer for you to get a shot and do I mean we're running down this freaking sage grasses, like hillside. Which I mean it was a dude, it was a haul. I don't know how far down we ran, but it yeah. was and you, it can't was a just, long... you can't just
1: push through sage grass. They're like little trees. They're you got to jump over them. You're yeah. like,
0: you're like, you're like, we're, like, jumping over it. And this is back when Jacob, myself, was a little more agile at the time. <laughs> Actually, quite a bit more agile. And, dude, like, I'm just running, jumping over all this crap. And, and finally, we get down and pick up over the little lip, looking at the bench. And we see Santa Claus. And he's down there. <laughs> there's no deer. Santa. And then he, like, turns, looks at us. And I don't know if he shook his head at us or what, but, like, we both, like, turned away and then walked up the hill again. Yeah. I'm like, all right.
1: Was de- and, then, and then we go up there, lost your range finder in the run and the hurdles, and we couldn't find it. So we're like, yep. now it's getting dark. I'm like, let's go back to camp, a.k.a. the truck. Um, On the way back, see my deer, pop him, get him, quarter him out in, like, 20 minutes because we were freaking out a little bit about grizzly bears. Pop over the next hill, and then there is when I'm I'm a hundred I dude, I swear I'm almost a hundred percent sure the same buck that walked behind Santa Claus there he stands with like nine does in like this little group and the way the terrain was I'm like yeah it's gotta be him like it could have funneled him right there and uh and Jacob came up put him down and we were tagged out just like that Three shots later, Jacob was tagged. <laughs> three shots later. <laughs> hey man, again, if anybody the show was part of that trip.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say if anybody wants to hear that the details of that, they can go back and listen to that because we it was a two part episode that was very in depth. Oh yeah. Um, it was
1: that yeah, it was man, what an adventure. Like it was I'm, like a I'm three gonna hour remember podcast. that for the rest of my life. Like that there was yeah. that trip was just like oh man. I miss it. So yeah, we're gonna do m- it again m- this year.
0: Made you want to go kill some whitetails up there for sure. (laughs) Oh, so that's what I was going to say. Colton
1: definitely wants to do elk. I don't blame him. Um, I kind of, I mean, I want to do elk too, but I'm not going to lie. I got some spots pinned in Wyoming that just have my mouth watering for deer. Oh, dude, dude, for deer,
0: listen, I I have 100% confidence we could go up there and get opportunities at a good deer, like multiple good deer. Oh, dude, I, Um, I dropped
1: four pins today where I'm like, dude, based on what I've learned, you know I've been out. I've been out there twice. I've been with you, and I went on my honeymoon out there. And just like <sighs> the deer aren't very hard to figure out out there because it's you can see everything. Everything's open, and it's fairly obvious. It's specifically talking about the whitetails where they like to hang out. Uh, and I, I, I mean, I've learned a little bit about mule deer, but the whitetails out there, dude. I mean, oh, I, I have no problem punching my tag on like a big whitetail, and I pinned a couple spots today where I'm like. If we don't get on like a big buck in these areas, like a big white tail buck, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. But uh yeah, so I don't know what what you want to do, but um I don't know. Uh it it's a it's what you brought up earlier is a good question. It comes down to the kind of experience we want to have, but also the rate of success because With us being out there before and just based on our other knowledge, I feel very confident we could all go out there and kill deer. I mean, they might not all be 150-inch giants, but, I mean, every single one of us could probably kill a very respectable buck out there. I'm pretty sure. Um,
0: Yeah, personally, okay, this is me kind of being selfish. (laughs) um, Because, well, I know know the odds when it comes to killing elk, okay? Mm -hmm. Again, I want to do elk at some time. But I do just for the amount of fun. I think a damn deer hunt would be a, a hell of a time, dude. Oh yeah. Because um, you could truck camp, or we could pack in. But I mean, some of the best spots are literally, I mean, truck camping spots. I mean, you literally set up your tent camp, you know, your truck camp, and everything. Get everything dialed in, dude. Take my truck. we'll take my truck out there, and uh, and dude, have a hell of a time. And the cool thing is, with if you do the deer, do it. If we did a deer hunt. Again, this is kind of me being selfish on this, uh, just because I'd love to kill a big white tail or, or another mule deer. Um, but there's so many units out there that you could draw that has fantastic white tail and also mule deer odds. Um, you know, some of the best units for white tail. You know, you have a pretty good opportunity to kill a, a decent mule deer. And then there's some really good mule deer units that you can kill you know whitetails where a lot of guys aren't even looking at the whitetails because out there there's not many people that hunt whitetails from what it seems like you know a lot of people hunted whitetails like in november during the rut like a lot of locals mm-hmm. but other than that they weren't touching them oh yeah so
1: yeah um yeah i mean I, drive past now, alfalfa field there's 100
0: whitetails sitting in it like well, 10 of them are pope and young or better well, it's, like, the logistics also for, like, the like the the what like the equipment that you need for that hunt, whether you're going for mule deer or whitetails and you're, like, doing truck camps, is nothing compared to, like, what you're going to need uh, for, like, you know, any kind of pack-in uh, elk hunt. Yeah. Um, at least that's kind of, like, what I'm thinking about after, like, kind of experiencing that. mm mm-hmm. um, Which, I mean, you know, thankfully we got quite a bit of the gear that we would need, but... Um, I don't know, dude. I think God, either one would be awesome. I, even I told you, I think an antelope hunt, dude. Each of us getting like four or five tags, you know, getting two two uh, buck tags and then you know three, um, um, doe tags each would be a hell of a time just to stack up a stack up coolers. And I mean, literally, we know some guys have gone out there and done that and literally be tagged out with like six or seven antelope, you know, within a group of guys mm-hmm. within like two or three days. Well, that's another so, thing that
1: I'm thinking of. Uh, so I'm still trying to research it because again, I got time. Uh, but another reason I'm kind of getting drawn towards deer is the the certain unit I'm looking at. It, I'll give you a hint. I don't know if you can remember, but it was our second choice.
0: Um, oh, yeah, right, dude. Already on it. <laughs> yeah. Already okay. On. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So so we got we got national forest and we got some upland. We got some high country in the unit, but then also we've got a lot of BLM and state land mm-hmm. on the bottom part and uh, the draw odds we, sh- we should absolutely be able to draw that um, we'll have to do a second choice because you have points and me and Colton don't uh, but like we'll put in you know first choice is like a glory unit that we're not going to draw um probably that one up around jackson hole it's like a 13 point unit or something unit G, I believe. yep (laughs) yeah so uh probably put that as a first choice because we're not going to get it but if you draw your second choice you won't burn your two or three points whatever you got um so we'll put this one as our second choice uh and we we should get it like i said but um anyways uh I'm going to have to check on it, but I'm almost positive that you can get antelope doe tags for the same area. And a lot of this... (gasps) Yes. So here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking we do the hopefully general rifle hunt uh, for deer. And that tag will be good for any whitetail deer or a buck mule deer. So we could shoot a whitetail doe if we get desperate enough. Um, But also... With the the amount of antelope country, if I can get the if I can find where the seasons overlap and everything, we could get a couple doe tags, and we could be hunting at at the same time. We could hunt white deer, mule deer, and antelope. Like we could be down there running through the desert, and whichever one we see, we could get it. You know, so
0: yeah, just stacking coolers, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully.
1: I mean, uh, it'd be fun and get a, and again at the same time. I mean, because you could even get a small game license and i'm i think that you could hunt quail or rabbits out there too just kind of like jump shooting them in the desert
0: down in the shrubs
1: i'm telling you man i'm telling you that'd be someone's fun
0: They would bring the fly rods too for sure so i'm
1: gonna do some research on it figure it out um and you know i think that uh I, i think colton will be fine with it i think that he just really wants to get out there but uh i think that a better choice would be as far as elk and everything goes to hunt this area which also happens to be a pretty good elk unit go out there and hunt it build up some points over the next few years and maybe hunt the same area you know more than once for deer and everything while we're building up points and then we can draw the elk unit and go and we've already got history we already know it and we've been out there twice and we can go out there on our elk tag and hopefully fill some elk tags in four to six years or so
0: Listen, I, I've got no issue either going to the unit you're talking about because I, I know what you're talking about, and there's, oh, my God, there's some awesome BLM land. Oh, my Sonic. gosh. I'm talking like, listen, I'm drooling now, just thinking about <laughs> all the whitetail meat we're going to be eating. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, but um, also the unit that we killed our elk, in, or not elk cheese, our uh, mule deer in along with your with your cousin, dude, I think that would be a freaking honey hole. I mean, did you sit on that thing for four or five days, man? Oh, you can hike you in there cherry
1: pick s- a good one. Dude, like, spread out. Dude, or, or I, w- I would gone. bring my saddle. Dude, I would legit probably bring my saddle, and I would go down there, and I would get up. There's trees within, like, an easy distance of that, and I would just get elevated, and I don't have to worry about a daggone bear walking up on me on the ground. <laughs> and I can I can be elevated and have, like, an excellent shooting position on these deer. Uh, yeah, no. I might actually nope. do that, because I could just pack the saddle, and it wouldn't be anything. And most of those trees, no. I mean, you nope. could probably climb without a... No.
0: Nope. What? No. No, no, I'm staying on the ground, dude. I can shoot way better off the ground than I can up in the tree.
1: Well, those trees, uh, normally I'd say the same thing, but those trees are so limmy that, yeah. you know, I could I could rest up on a limb and get real solid up there. But just get a, get closer because if you remember the the way that hill laid out, it, to shoot the trail, it was a good, you know, 300-some-odd-yard poke, which, uh, I mean, I could probably do it. I mean, I probably shot my deer at about that range, but I'm not – I didn't hit them that great either, so –
0: well, you hit him great. You just might not have been the exact I spot. I wasn't aiming
1: where I hit him. I neck shot him, and I was not aiming at the neck. Uh, but, you know, he went down all the same.
0: So Yeah, that was, dropped it. That footage was great for the first three seconds. Oh, <laughs> man.
1: Oh, I need to find that footage. I hope I haven't lost it. That was, uh,
0: Dude, that would be so epic. I remember we watched it when we got back, whatever, and it was the funniest thing. I was ever. like, God Dang it, Jacob. <laughs> you probably ought to tell that story just while we're on the topic. Oh, People are like, what? what was the
1: footage like? Oh, the footage would have been excellent, man. It was so per like I'm sneak you see the deer up in the fore I mean, this is a meat eater type quality right here. Alright. I'm sneaking up on this deer. He's way up on this hill above me and you see me in the foreground sneaking up on him. I get I get I throw my pack out in front of me and I get laid down in a cactus, I might add. But I get laid down, and I get rested up. This buck's just standing up there. It's going to be, like, over the shoulder, just beautiful, just just television-quality shot. And then right before I shoot, the camera just slowly pans, and all you see is blue sky. And then you hear, <laughs> <"Poof."> <laughs> <laughs> And then it goes back to me, and I'm, like, jumped up with my hands up in the air. And I'm, like,
0: yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Grow- yeah. That was just growing
1: pains with the camera. We've improved since then.
0: Dude, that was like the old handy cam, dude, with like a five thousand times zoom on that thing. Oh my
1: gosh, that thing! We still got that thing. It's uh it, it held up pretty good. I got a video <laughs> somewhere there. of you doing like an interview. This is before Southern Outdoorsman or anything got started, but we wanted to film this hunt just for ourselves. But also, that's when that's when we very first started getting into like, hey, let's uh, let's like film some stuff, and because I had just I literally launched the website like right before we left for that trip, like two days before we left. And so we're like, well, let's film some stuff. Maybe we can put it on the website and all that. And you're filming an uh, interview in the car of yourself, and you, were, you <laughs> had barely had your your finger on the zoom. I about wet my pants laughing at this so hard. Dude, you're talking to the camera, and it's, like, slowly zooming in to your face.
0: <laughs> and after a couple of seconds, it's, like,
1: so uncomfortably close to your face, and it just keeps zooming in, and you're, like, being totally serious. Oh man, it's it's hilarious! I, oh my god, I have to find that and put it on Facebook.
0: <laughs> man, if you got any of that footage, that would be killer, dude. It would be so funny to go look at that. I'm gonna um, again. I got plenty of time, so I'm about to rip
1: apart all my SD card stashes and trying to uh, try and find it. I found one card with the word Wyoming written on it. I was like, yes, here it is. Oh.
0: and I looked at it,
1: and it was from the. So we had a DSLR on that trip too, and it was from the DSLR. Uh, and yeah, it was that's before. What, that's
0: what almost. That's what almost got me killed going back to find that camera Oh, that was the door. terrifying. It, yeah, <laughs> it had
1: pictures. It had my grip and grins with my buck, a few of which I didn't know existed, but I, I pulled them off and edited them and everything. Um, I'll have to post those on my personal Instagram tomorrow. But uh, anyways, or I'll post them on the Southern Outdoorsman one. But anyways, uh, had that, and then it had one video on it, and it was you at the first trailhead that we, uh, that we got to where we hiked in and uh, camped that one night. And Mm -hmm. it was as we were leaving, you're standing in front of the trailer going, oh, hey, hey everybody. Um, We're out here. We're we're in Wyoming. A couple of Alabama boys out here in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like you could tell we weren't, like, comfortable in front of a microphone yet. It was hilarious.
0: uh, Dude. I think the reason we brought that is in case we got to eat my grizzly. They had hassle something to do a documentary about us. <laughs> dude, we were so scared of the grizzly bears. We were so
1: terrified. And we hike up in there, and we get to that little meadow. And I'm like, dude, look at this giant grizzly track in the snow. And we find this big grizzly track, and then we walk 50 more yards. I'm like, dude, there's a deer leg right here. <laughs> just a severed deer leg next to the trail. We're like, let's get out of these woods. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Good memories. And then then that doe jumping up from that brush pile right next to the trail when we were coming back out the next day. I almost pissed my pants. This doe blows out of a brush
1: pile at 30 yards. Dude,
0: guns guns were drawn, son. Like pepper
1: spray and guns. Oh, I was terrified walking through that timber. You couldn't see more than 30 yards. I was like, Jacob had his pistol out. I had my rifle and everything. I was like... Dude, if a grizzly bear runs out, if it takes one step towards us, kill it. <laughs> I was scared. So, yeah, uh, yeah it, was a, it was a good time.
0: It was a good time. Um, the fear added it,
1: to the experience.
0: It, it really did actually made it probably that much more memorable. <laughs> I mean, like, we knew
1: about the bears getting out there, and, you know, we read everything. We had the bear spray, and we had the, the pistol and everything. But when you get out there, and you get in the dark timber, and, you like, it's the first time I've ever been uh, – Let's see. Is it? Well, technically, technically that was the first time I'd ever been west of the Mississippi River. And so this is like everything is new and you get out there and all of a sudden you find this giant freaking grizzly bear track. Huge grizzly bear track in the snow. And you're like, oh, my God, these things are real. (laughs) It just, oh, man, it freaked
0: me out. It's like there is a monster in these
1: woods. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, it's so different
0: when you get out there and you're you're standing there in it, and I don't know. It, it's. Just and there was two elk hunters that got attacked that or got charged, and they killed the grizzly like a week before we got there, I think.
1: Yes, and then two weeks after we left, uh, um, two people got mauled, and just uh, one of them almost died. Um,
0: yeah, like in within like probably 15 miles, 10, 15 miles of where we were at.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like right there, in the man, it, it was it's different uh being out there once
0: though i feel like i'd be a lot more comfortable having experienced it nope Mm-mm. no <laughs> i mean I, I would be fine i mean i'm gonna be strapped to the gills but again you're out there you're like oh i don't feel very confident even with this rifle and a pistol like at all and then we went to the taxidermist when we dropped my deer's head off and we're like with that one grizzly they had a full body mount on i'm like oh my yeah. god Yeah. Like, that was a a really big, like, eye-opening moment. I'm like, dude, if that thing was coming at me, I don't feel extreme. I mean, dude, I practiced before we went on that trip, actually going to the range and doing, from the chest holder, quick draws with my pistol and getting, like, three shots on target, whatever, and got very proficient at it. But, dude, I'm like, there is no way. Like, dude, that thing comes at you. Dude, you are, listen, I don't care what you're Mm -hmm. shooting, dude. If you don't hit it in between the eyes, you are toasted. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, It's dude by the way did you know my parents i don't know if i told you this my parents before we left on that trip dude they were so worried they took a life insurance policy at all on me are you serious i <laughs> swear to god twenty five thousand <laughs> dollars they're like dang man that's crazy I'm like, thanks. They, didn't tell, they didn't tell me about it till i came back they're like yeah, yeah we just want to make sure you're protected and covered i'm like thanks i guess <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh go. oh man that's hilarious that's hilarious yeah that, that's the kind of confidence they had when we were driving your, your freaking new to you. What was it? What's your, what's your truck? At? 2010, no, a 2010, 2009? No, it's 2009 F 150. Single cab, single no, cab, cruise, control no cruise control, going 1,700 miles one direction. No
1: power windows, no back seat. But hey, she got us out there.
0: Oh, for real. But listen, this next time we're going to be riding in comfort, dude. Riding in style a different experience so i'm actually excited about it yeah. um but kind of getting back to this whole topic dude i think a deer another deer hunt would be killer man it would be so freaking awesome um uh, uh, and to, yeah and like to me the stress isn't there as much on the deer hunt. i mean there was a little bit of stress with us, like once we got out there like we thought there was gonna be deer everywhere In the first place we went to like oh this sucks yeah yeah we but saw some deer but we they know. were
1: like five miles further back than we were
0: yeah, I told you, I was like, if we go down this canyon, I'm not coming up the other side, I don't think. Yeah,
1: I was. it got to a matter of safety at that point, which I was looking at that area on the map again today. I'm like, if I could freaking skimp and we could all save up, I would love to go back and hunt that same area, but pay for a drop camp with an outfitter and mm-hmm. just pay for them to bring us like a couple of horses and drop a camp there for us. We have like a base camp. We got horses that we can use, and then they'll just come pick us back up in like a week. It'll we'll be good to go. That would, be, that would be so worth it for that area. I'm, I think. Man, but it's just—it's G- uh, so hard to get back in there.
0: Dude, this GIS position of yours better pay pretty damn good. <laughs> we, yeah, we're, we want to do that. We we gonna we gonna see. We gonna see. Spend <laughs> five grand on a camp cheese, dude. <laughs> all right, Andrew's we going to see. <laughs> no, but um, I, I did. But again, after seeing like the kind of habitat those deer like, really like to stay in both whitetails and mule deer, uh, especially like depending on the the weather. Oh my gosh, dude! Like I, I think, dude, again, this a white tail hunt, dude. Killing a 240, 250 two hundred fifty pound white tail mature white tail out there. That's like, I mean, fat up to its ears. I mean, literally, they have no neck. It's all shoulders and just head. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like the craziest freaking thing you've ever seen. Um. It, oh my gosh dude Whew. Yeah. oh man well, maybe, be a good we'll time. maybe we'll make it happen
1: uh it sounds like me and you're are pretty set on deer but
0: uh we'll talk to colton yeah. um so yeah we need get colton on board <laughs> yeah
1: yeah definitely we got to get him on board too um but yeah it's, it's gonna be a good trip you guys will hear more about this for sure in the future as we go forward with this planning process so uh i we've actually got a pretty fair amount of questions about planning a western hunt Like I said, we're definitely not experts, but we have made a lot of mistakes. Like, we know what we would not do next time. That's for dang sure. So we'll probably do maybe a bonus episode or maybe even a full-length episode if there's enough interest on, on just planning this trip, you know, from, you know, buying the tag or applying for the tag all the way up to, you know, going out there and making it happen and kind of showing people the process, showing people how approachable this kind of thing actually is and how just how the experience that you get when you go out there is really unbelievable for like how attainable it is. It's, it's so I mean we did it when we were I mean just broke college kids. No money. Just like nothing to our name. And we just we, sa- sure. we saved up you know a bunch of money that uh, that spring. I mean dude I was, I was going to Jeff State Community College full time and I was working at Field and Stream and Hoover and working at Home Depot. Saved up for like a spring. Bought the tag bought some new gear, and then that that fall, I mean, we went out there with, like, a couple hundred bucks in our pockets and and just, like, had at it, you know, eating cheap, not paying for hotels or anything, just sleeping in the truck, and, uh, I mean, we made it happen back then, so, you know, if you're a grown adult with a job and vacation time, I mean, it should be extremely easy for you to do this, um, you know, and do it comfortably as well. So. Well, Andrew
0: says that without kids though. So true, Dad. I I I different, no no different perspective. I got no children. Different perspective.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, but, definitely.
0: Uh, but yeah, dude, I'm fired up now. I Think about it. I'm like, oh my god, dude. That oh, be such a freaking good good trip, man. Plus, I'm already imagining oh, like, how how to load down the truck and all the coolers and everything, dude. Oh, I knew it'd be um, easy
1: to get you fired up. I I pitched this to you two or three weeks ago. You're like, eh, yeah, maybe. And then I brought it up again, like a week later. You're like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And then I brought it back up
0: today, and you were fight. You're ready to go, so <laughs> I'm like, let's get the tags and go, dude. I, I'll, <laughs> listen, I'll, I'll make time off one way or the other. I, I was just whittling what I knew. I knew you would break, and then
1: finally today, I, I got like, <laughs> I got like, like pumped up, Jacob. I was like let's
0: go man let's do it <laughs> well it's like, it's like again on, on the, like the selfish side of me like dude i i, I want to go out there and have like some legitimate opportunity to like kill some de- like kill some animals like you know deer elsewhere. whatever mm-hmm. and i just knew like when it comes to the logistics of it you know especially what we know already for deer hunting i'm like i think we go out to wyoming and it, and and unless something crazy happens i don't see us you know um being put in a position where we're like holy crap we might not be able to get a deer yeah um there there will be ca-
1: opportunity it might be a small deer but there there will be opportunity i think there'll be oh, opportunity yeah. for a big deer you know
0: oh yeah dude oh my gosh man i mean yeah for sure but now i'm thinking about i'm like every time last time we did this hunt i spent a crap ton of money like yeah i really didn't need <laughs> and uh and i'm I'm thinking now because the cool thing about the deer hunt you know unless we're like packing in a whole bunch like you don't have to go like super balls to the wall on i mean on everything like you know all your equipment <laughs> But I'm like, man, a, a new rifle would be pretty freaking slick. So, yes. Ooh, oh, oh, easy there,
1: on. tiger. Going a gun buying spree. But uh, anyways, that'll wrap this one up. It's kind of a two part episode: uh, turkey hunting and western hunting. So uh, we'll hit you back with some turkey stuff next week, uh, and then you know, like I said, eventually we'll we'll probably do a full episode on uh, doing your western trip and everything. Um, Jacob, you got anything to add?
0: Nope. Um... It's been a fun episode. Hopefully some people, uh, you know, kind of got excited about this topic just because, you know, a lot of guys that we know, you know, I'll say, well, we do know quite a few guys that have gone out west, but we know a lot of people that want to go, and uh, I think kind of showing them kind of the... You know, the basic road from a, a southerner to go west and how easy it can be, it'll be eye opening for a lot of people. Um, really, comes down to not even the money aspect, it really comes down to just the time off.
1: Mm-hmm. And if
0: you can get the time off for it, I mean, you can have one heck of a hunt and then you get a couple of buddies together and go out there and split costs, split gas, split, uh, you know, really to split gas costs. That's it. And then, like, you know, if you're staying at a hotel somewhere, but you know, pretty mm-hmm. much we're not gonna stay at a hotel unless. You know, we just have to clean up, or if we get some deer on the ground, we're like, okay, we deserve a shower now. So mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave people with this tip. Um, if you go to the Rocky Mountains to hunt, watch the movie Jeremiah Johnson at least five times before you leave, and it'll add to the experience tremendously. <laughs> I was quoting it out there. I was yelling quotes from the movie. Is awesome. You
0: were when we were coming back through that freaking dark timber. And you're like, all right, we need to make noise so that so we don't spook oh, yeah, it uh, or like walk them re- on a grizzly.
1: Yeah, dude, I, I was hollering some Jeremiah Johnson quote. I've never felt so fulfilled in my life as uh, as when I was <laughs> screaming out Jeremiah Johnson quotes over a valley in the Rocky Mountains. Dude, <laughs> <Yep. laughs> drinking a Coors.
0: <laughs> America, cold as the Rockies. Awesome. All right, well, dude, I've, I've appreciated this episode. I've, I've had a lot of blast talking about this. Hopefully, listeners enjoy some of it as well. Uh, make sure you all stay tuned for the Strut Report coming out this Friday. Again, uh, we've been having a, a lot of cool responses from it, uh, from the Strut Report, and we're looking for other uh, Str- uh, Strut report or reporters uh, to help us out with that. So if you're in a state, I know we got quite a few guys um, volunteering from Alabama, but if you're in pretty much any other state that's open right now, shoot us a message on both Instagram and or Facebook and uh, let us let us know that, hey, you'd like to be a short reporter. Again, we're trying to get guys on that, you know, are in the woods quite a bit and have a pretty good uh, idea of what's really going on right now uh, to kind of give our listeners the most up-to-date information on what's going on in their turkey woods. So if that's the case, shoot us a message. And we'd love to get you on for this week's report. But other than that, Andrew, it's been a blast, dude. And uh, hopefully this week we can get out and kill some more turkeys. Let's do it. Everybody stay safe.
1: Uh, send us your success stories with the turkeys, and good luck in the woods this weekend. All right, guys. We're starting to get kind of close to summer here, and you know what my favorite part about summer is? the Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We're going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise, and I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast. This show was Literally made for you. It is an excellent group of people that are going to be there. A lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there. You're going to get to talk to them, shake their hand, learn from them in person, make some connections. And guys, we get a lot of questions about hey, which saddle should I get? Which tree stand should I get? What about this piece of gear? What about that piece of gear? How do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.